I wonder if you've ever used this phrase before. It's just not the same. By nature, we're people who compare. And, and we often use the phrase, it's just not the same, when we realize that what we're experiencing is different or not as good as we once had. I grew up in a, a very frugal family. My dad was a pastor. We didn't have a whole lot of money. And so my parents made lots of choices, I think for our own good, to, to settle for some things that weren't the best, but because they had the best intentions at heart. And one of those that I was reflecting on this week as I walked through Walmart was that as a family at one point, we switched from Dr. Pepper to Dr. Thunder. That's how I knew we were trying to be frugal in our families. We made that, that big, important switch. My dad was a huge drinker of Dr. Pepper. He'd come home every day from work, pop one of those open, pour a little bowl of chips and salsa, and, you know, decompress the day. That was just kind of how he, he did it. And so at a certain point, we, we stopped drinking the, the, the good stuff, and we settled for this stuff. And at a certain point, I'd had enough Dr. Thunder that, that I would drink it. It wasn't a big deal for me until I went to my friend's house and they had the real thing. And then I would just go, oh my gosh, this is, this is the good stuff. And I'd go home and it's just not the same. You know, like I just realized that, that we were settling. Now, again, not, not the worst thing in the world to drink store brand soda. But, but as I was thinking about that phrase, that's what came to mind. It's the same thing that some of you have felt when you've gone to France and you've seen the Eiffel Tower. And then you go to Las Vegas, and you see the one in Las Vegas. It's just not the same. I grew up in Las Vegas. There's lots of things in Vegas you could say, not the real thing. Uh, but, but that's definitely a phrase that we use there. Because the truth is, once you've experienced the real thing, it's hard to settle. Because you've experienced, like, the good stuff. Whether it's a place, or something you eat, or something you drink, or something in a relationship. And though we know that once we've experienced the real thing, it's hard to settle, the truth is some of us still do it. Some of us still settle for less. And that really is at the heart of this series that we launched last week. If you were with us online last week, we talked about this series that we're kicking off on the road to Easter called Leaving Egypt. The subtitle is Finding Freedom on the road to Easter. And last week, we talked about the fact that, that we were made to live in freedom, but we've settled for Egypt instead. That we've settled for less than we were intended to live. And Egypt, as we mentioned last week, is a metaphor. And it represents the places where we settle for, for bondage or addiction or insecurity. We, we stay in a, in a relationship that's toxic and unhealthy. We settle for less than God intends to give us. And, and, I, and I think sometimes it's easy if you're not in one of those situations to judge the people who are settling because you're like, how could you do that? Don't you know that you were made for more? But if you've ever been in one of the situations, you realize how hard it can be when you're in the middle of Egypt to see objectively. See, that was the experience of this little girl named Elizabeth Smart. If you remember her story from about 20 years ago, Elizabeth was living outside Salt Lake City, Utah, when she was kidnapped. And it was one of the very first uses of the Amber Alert system in our country. And so over one year was spent with a nationwide manhunt trying to figure out where Elizabeth went and if she was still alive. Almost 15 months later, Elizabeth was found 19 miles from her home. That's not far. 
It's basically from here, not all the way to Paulden, if you're from the Quad Cities area. It's not a major part of the church today. And, and as the story of Elizabeth's, you know, recovery and rescue became known and people realized just how close she had been to her home, questions emerged. Like, why didn't she try to run away? And why didn't she try to escape? And what happened over all those 15 months? And there's some amazing stories that were told back then. But one of the things that came out was that out of fear, she stopped trying to run away. She became scared of running away. And she became extremely obedient and even compliant to her kidnappers. She didn't go full on Stockholm syndrome, if you know that, that phrase. She rejected her capture views, but, but many people who observed her situation described it as a classic example of trauma bonding, where because of the trauma you're in, you end up bonding with those who are the source of it, or you bond with the environment, and, and you stop trying to get out. And at a certain point, she just stopped trying to run away. Now, I would never blame a child for how they responded to being kidnapped. So I'm not here to shame Elizabeth Smart today. But what I am here to say is I think a lot of us can relate to her experience. I think a lot of us can relate to the experience of being someplace that's not good, that's not healthy, and at a certain point, settling, embracing it, accepting it, and stopping real, stopping to you know, the realization that you can't stay there. And that's our big idea this morning. That leaving Egypt can be so scary that we try to stay, but you can't stay in Egypt. The idea of leaving Egypt, if this week you, you made some progress exploring what that might be, it might be scary to leave that, that you go, you know, I'm just going to stay here. And here's the thing, I love you. And I love you too much to, to not tell you the truth. You can't stay in Egypt if you're there today. Yes, it's scary to leave, but you can't stay. And last week, if you're with us, we talked about this question of what is my Egypt? And so if you missed that message, I'd encourage you to go back and watch it. It may be helpful for you identifying what that is for you. But I, I got a text, a number of texts and messages from people, emails talking about their Egypt. And one of the texts reminded me that, that I never say anything perfectly. I always go drive home Sunday, Sunday morning afternoon going, man, I should have said that differently. And oh, and then I watch myself and go, oh, you know. So, so this is an imperfect art every single week. I've never delivered a perfect sermon. But one of the things I wanted to piggyback on from last week is that sometimes waking up in Egypt can be your choice and other times, it can be the choice of others. So sometimes, if you're in Egypt, it was your choice. It was a bad choice, and then another bad choice, and then another bad choice, and another bad choice, and another bad choice, and a series of bad choices that puts you in a place that was absent of freedom and full of bondage. Other times, when you're experiencing Egypt and that lack of freedom and that unhealth and that toxicity, it is the choice of others that put you there. And that's the truth about humanity is that our choices affect each other. What I do affects you. What you do affects me. And so I just want to encourage you that, that if, if you're in Egypt and you're like, Scott, it wasn't my choice, so therefore I have no control. I just have a, a thought for you. We often don't have the level of control that we like to have, but we do have agency. 
If, if you thought you were in control in 2019, I hope 2020 and 2021 robbed you of that, you know, idea. They certainly did me. You're not in control. But you do have agency. And you say, Scott, what's the difference? Well, here's what agency is. Here's how Sharon Miller defines agency. Agency is God-given power and God-given influence that we have in this world. We don't have control because we're not God. But we do have the power and influence that God gave us within the world that he is in control of. And that's agency. And it's important for you to realize that you have agency because today if we're going to talk about the fact that you can't stay in Egypt, you're going to have to realize what agency do I have in choosing to not stay and choosing to try to leave. And that's what we're going to talk about with the time we have left. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about four lessons from those who feared leaving Egypt. Because if you're afraid to leave Egypt, if you're like, hey, this is a place where I've been and I'm comfortable and I know it and it's scary to leave, you just need to know you're not alone. Even the people who experienced the literal Egypt in Exodus, they were scared too. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. If you're new to the Bible, Exodus is the second book in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus. We started the story of how the people of Israel ended up in Exodus and in Egypt last week in Genesis 46. And so if you missed that message, I'd encourage you to go online and kind of get caught up on the context. And again, I want to give a huge shout out to all of our team that helped us to record and and do services uh, last week at Heights Church. Their team was super helpful to us brought back lots of painful memories that I hope to never live through again in 2020. I've got a therapy appointment scheduled for later this month to talk about that. But beginning in verse 27, this is what Exodus 4 says. It says, Now the Lord had said to Aaron, Go and meet Moses in the wilderness. So Moses is already seen the burning bush. That was last week. And Moses is heading out of the wilderness. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. That was kind of how brothers did things back then. Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say and all the signs he commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the Israelites. Aaron repeated everything the Lord had said to Moses and performed the signs before the Lord. The people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had paid attention to them and that he'd seen their misery, they knelt low and worshiped. So the first thing we see with these people that we're going to discover are afraid of leaving Egypt is this, that the potential for freedom initially fills us with hope. So, so if you're in Egypt and you've kind of identified, hey, this is what I think Egypt is for me, when you begin to realize, hey, I don't have to stay here. I could get out of here. I could find freedom. That sense of hope initially comes in, you start to begin to believe for a different future or, or a different existence, that things might change. And just the idea of the possibility or the potential of that initially fills us with hope. We go, hey, I can imagine something other than that. Because that's what hope is. Hope imagines a future that is different than the present. It's why right now, if your back is sore from shoveling this week, hope is it's going to be spring. 
without snow, without shoveling. You'll be shoveling sunshine for months and months on end. That's hope. But part of hope is not only a different future than the present, part of hope is also naming reality that you're in in the present, right? Like for the the present to be different than the future, you have to go, hey, this is what I'm longing for that's different, but here's where I am right now. And that is part of the reason that sometimes hope is hard because it requires you to be honest about where you are and maybe how far you are from where you wish you were. Here's how Gordon Dalby says it, to let God meet us where we are, we must know where we are. And such an exercise in truth-telling can often be painful. I mean, when you have to get honest that you're in Egypt, when you get honest that things aren't as good as you project to everybody else, when you get honest about, hey, this is how far I've gotten from where I thought I would be, or this is how addicted I've really gotten, or that this is really how dysfunctional the relationship has gotten, or this is how far we've gone down the hole. That's not always easy to be honest with other people or God, much less yourself. Thank you. And so, and so I just want to encourage you that sometimes hope is scary because it means you have to be honest about where you are. But for God to meet you where you are, you got to know where you are. And God can't meet you where you wish you were. He can only meet you where you're actually at. And so I just want to encourage you that part of this series, if that's you, is that we want to come alongside you and remind you of the vision that God has for you. We want to remind you that that Jesus made you and created you to live in freedom, not to live in bondage. He created you to give you a hope and a future. He made you as his masterpiece with good works to do. And so we want to remind you of that. And so in some ways, I want to do what Moses did and remind you, hey, people, you were not made to live in Egypt. You can't stay here because you were made for more. And I don't want you to look to me because at the end of the day, I'm not your Moses. We do have a deliverer. And his name is Jesus. And he is the one who comes and gives it a possibility for us to live somewhere different than where we are right now. But in order... For you to be free, you have to admit that you're in slavery first. And so maybe for you today, building on last week is coming to the realization, hey, you know what? Hope is rising in me. I could have a different future. But part of that is owning, you know what? I can't stay here because I'm enslaved to this substance, to this dysfunctional relationship, to this unhealthy view of myself to this trauma or hurt from the past. And once you begin to feel that first potential of hope, you might have to do some honesty with yourself. Second thing we're going to learn today from some people who were afraid is this, that Egypt often breaks our spirits and our bodies. When you're in Egypt, it has the power to break your spirits and to break your body. If you have your Bible still, go from Exodus 4 to Exodus 6. Just two chapters deeper. Here we have 
God speaking to Moses and telling him some things to speak to the Israelites. And here's what the text says. Verse 6 says, Therefore, tell the Israelites, God says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out of the forced labor of of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. He continues, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the forced labor of the Egyptians. He says, I will bring you to the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their broken spirits and hard labor. So they get this really good news. Hey, I'm going to deliver you from Egypt. I'm going to lead you out of here. You don't have to stay here. And guess what? You don't have to make a way for yourself out of here. I will make a way for you out of here. But the people, verse 9 says right here, They did not listen to him because of their broken spirit and hard labor. The Egyptians had not only broken their bodies through slavery, they'd broken their spirits too. So when the good news came, they disregarded it. They couldn't accept it. Moses had come and he told them these things and initially they were excited, but the Egyptians had doubled down. They started beating them harder and treating them more poorly and making their work more difficult. And that broke that initial hope in them. You see, when our spirit has been broken, we often start seeing the world in terms of what's easiest and what's safest. If life has broke you, what happens is you begin to go, okay, I, I can't do anything hard anymore. Just what's easy? What's safe? And sometimes that means that you don't actually pursue freedom because freedom is risky and freedom is scary. For some of us, we're settling because we're scared and we're settling because staying here, though it's dysfunctional and painful in Egypt, we know it. This is why you should never judge someone who's in an abusive relationship who's struggling to leave. Because their body and spirit may have been so broken that the idea of being free from that abusive relationship is too hard and too scary to imagine. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be involved in helping them leave once they're ready. But don't judge them. Like, how, how could somebody choose that? It's right there in the Bible. And that's why I, I, the big idea is what it is today, that leaving Egypt can be so scary that we try to stay, but you can't stay. And we need that reminder, especially if our spirit has been broken, if our body has been broken. And one of the things that happened for the people of Israel is that Egypt stole their imagination, where all they could see and all we can see is what is. This is how you can know that you're in Egypt, is when you, when you no longer imagine anything anymore. Now, most adults have a hard time imagining, period. Our world has a way of kind of leaving imagination for children, and I just want to remind you, you may not be a child, but you still need your imagination. God gave it to you, not just for when you were little, but for your whole life. That's how we grow and change, because we can imagine different futures. 
That's why we're not animals. Your dog is not imagining that one day you're going to bring home a better bone. But you're imagining a different future, right? You're hoping for it. You're longing for it. And one of the ways you can know you're in Egypt is when you stop doing that. When your world begins to shrink down and it's just this. You start using phrases like it is what it is. Or this is just how it's always going to be. That kind of cynicism and skepticism shows that you've lost your imagination and you've lost your sense of hope. And, and I'm a recovering cynic, so I know this really, really well. Part of the reason I got my cynicism and skepticism is that I was once an idealist. And, and I can remember I, I was graduating from a seminary and I wanted to go. I had this job I had dreamed of and, and it just wasn't happening. And, and I'm the kind of person, I can be kind of stubborn. It's hard for me to take the message sometimes, and so I'll just keep beating my head against the wall. And uh, I was married by this point, so my wife was got a, had a front row seat to my stubbornness. And so I can remember we sat down one day, and I'd been graduated for a few months, and that, that job that I was kind of expecting wasn't happening. And she said, honey, you have blinders on. It isn't a stubbornness problem. You just won't see anything else. And if it was going to happen the way you thought it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. I think you need to pull the blinders off and open up to some new possibilities. They weren't possibilities that I frankly wanted, but what I wanted wasn't going to happen, and so I had to become open to something different. I had to begin to imagine something different. And that different was I ended up working two and three jobs for a year and a half until that job that I wanted finally opened. I had to become open to new possibilities. But I realized in that period that I was so stuck, all I could see is what is, and I, could, I stopped imagining something different. So I just want to encourage you that if you can't see or think of the future, you might be in Egypt. If you can't see anything beyond where you are, you might be in an Egypt season. Third lesson from people who struggled with fear is that Egypt lies to us in our broken state. Egypt lies to us. Now, one of the things I'm not doing in this series is I'm not trying to give you the entire story of the Exodus. You can go home and watch Charlton Heston for that or listen to Whitney Houston and, and Mariah Carey for that if you prefer the cartoon. But though I don't have time to tell you the whole story of the people of Israel leaving Egypt, I just want to remind you, leaving Egypt can be a process. If you know the story, I mean, there was 10 plagues. It was a long time of Moses going back and forth with the Pharaoh. It wasn't just Moses showed up, hey, God says, let my people go. Okay, great, see you later. It, it was not that. It was a process. And so if you're in Egypt and you're realizing over last week, this week, hey, I'm in Egypt, then here's the thing. Le realizing you're in Egypt is, can be this. Leaving Egypt, it's not going to be this. It's going to be a process. And we see what happens in that process in Exodus chapter 14. If you have your Bible still, go from Exodus 6 to Exodus 14. By now, the people have had all of the plagues, including the Passover. They've left Egypt. They've gone into the desert. They're, they're essentially free but then Pharaoh realizes, hey, I don't really like this decision. I'm going to go chase him down. And so in Exodus 14, verse 10, we read this. 
As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were terrified and they cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. That's fear. That's fear. It would have been better for us to die in slavery than it would be for us to die in freedom. That, friends, is a lie. But it's what they begin to believe. And this is what I want to encourage you. That if you're in Egypt, you are more vulnerable than you realize. If you're in an Egypt season, you are more vulnerable than you realize. You are not as strong as you think you are, especially mentally. And you are vulnerable as the people of Israel were to lies. We said last week that we have an enemy and we experience his power when we're in Egypt. That enemy is a number of names in scripture. He goes by names like Lucifer and Satan and the devil. And Jesus describes him in John 8, 44. There Jesus says, to some people, he says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is saying that Satan has a native tongue like most of us have a native language of English. But his native language is lying. And when you find yourself in Egypt, you're going to be vulnerable and you're going to hear lies. And when you are in that broken state, you are more susceptible to those lies. And for those of you who think there's no way I would ever buy into any of that, be careful that you do not stumble when you think you are standing firm. Proverbs reminds us of the danger of pride. And one of the biggest lies that you hear when you are in Egypt is that Egypt is better than freedom. That where you are is better than freedom. And you believe that because of fear. You believe that because you know Egypt and freedom is unknown. And often we choose the broken known over the free and unbroken unknown. Because we value being in control or living under the illusion of control more than anything else. So if you're in Egypt today, I just want you to ask yourself this question, what lies have I believed? What are the things that I have begun to accept as just it is what it is and this is the truth? And is it possible that you've been duped? Is it possible that you've been lied to? Have you ever been wrong? Yes, is the answer. And if, if you've ever been wrong, then it's possible that you've believed a lie. 
It's possible that though you are as old and wise as you are, that Satan has been around thousands of years longer than you and has way more practice than you have at concocting and slipping lies in. And so I just want to encourage you that you got to pay attention and watch out for the lies. Here's the last lesson about people who are afraid and why we can't stay. In order to leave Egypt, we need a deliverer. In order to leave Egypt, we need a deliverer. What we are doing here is we are not doing self-help. This is not, hey, you're in Egypt, so buckle down, try harder, discipline your mind, get focused, and deliver yourself from Egypt. The people of Israel needed God to come in in miraculous ways and bring them into freedom. And if you are in Egypt, you are going to need God to work. You, yes, you have agency. He's given you some power and influence. But you will not deliver yourself from Egypt. You will need God to. And here's the truth about what God has done in our lives from the book of Romans chapter 6. There Paul says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. So what fruit was produced then from the things that you're now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now, since you've been set free from sin and become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. That's the word we use for us being transformed to be like Jesus. And the outcome of that is eternal life. And then one of the most famous verses in Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus is the one who brings freedom. So whether you're in an abusive relationship, you're addicted to a substance, you're, you're every day battling insecurity, whether you can't stop spending money you don't have, or you're in a relationship that you said, I do till death do you part, and now you're really hoping that death will free you from that commitment. You have a deliverer. And no, it's not Moses. And I'll say it again, I'm not your Moses. But Jesus comes and he sets us free from the power of sin and death. And in many ways, Jesus is the second and perfect Moses for us. Because Moses leads the people out of Israel, but what Moses can't do is he can't make them to stop sinning. If you know the rest of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Moses is their leader, but he doesn't actually change their hearts. He can't actually change their hearts. I can't change your heart. Only Jesus can. But Jesus comes, as we said last week, out of Egypt. He runs away to Egypt in Matthew 2 with his parents because Herod's going to kill him. And then it says, out of Egypt in, in Matthew 2, 13, I called my son. Jesus comes to be our deliverer. And the reason why he's better than Moses is that Jesus not only called us to freedom, but he sacrificed his life in order to set us free. Everything that you need to be free has already been accomplished in what he did on the cross. And so it is merely applying that, activating that, 
trusting that and experiencing that freedom where you are because of what he's done. And that's why I came to tell you that you can't stay in Egypt because you have one who has already given it all for you to be free. And that's why I can say that I love you because I know he loves you even more. He gave it all so that you would not stay where he never intended for you to stay. Let's talk about what we can do next. Your next steps. First one, I want you to ask yourself, what hopes have died in my Egypt? Now, I know what I'm asking you to do is really painful. Just acknowledge it. One of my friends says, I love the message up until the next steps, and then I hate you a lot. He's joking, I think. (laughs) But if hope is that thing that's the future that dies when we just settle for what is, then what I want you to do this week is I want you to go and do some shoveling. Not snow, but for hope. What are some things that were longings of your heart that you buried in Egypt? What were some things that you had dreams of and expectations for and prayers about that because you got in Egypt, you just let die and you buried? And what if part of trusting God and leaving Egypt was, hey, I'm going to leave this place, but I'm not going to go alone. I'm going to take my hopes with me. Those things that I buried and abandoned, I'm going to walk out of here, but I'm going to walk out of here with hope. I know it's hard. could be painful. But part of believing for a different future is tapping back into that hope again. Number two, I want you to watch out for the lies you've embraced in Egypt. I want you to watch out for those lies. And the way I'm going to ask you to do that is to think about this question. While you've been in Egypt, what have you started saying? I'm going to ask you to listen to yourself this week. Some of you should listen to yourself. The rest of us have to. You should do as well. And if you have a hard time going, Scott, I don't really know, then what I'd encourage you to do is talk to somebody who's going to spend time with you or has spent time with you and ask them this question. What have you been hearing from me lately? That's what my wife had to tell me. Hey, babe, you keep saying that this is what you want, but I don't see any option of it happening, and you're not open to anything else, and what I'm hearing from you is this, and what I need to hear from you is this. Your friend might say, hey, your favorite phrase is is it is what it is. You know what? You don't hear yourself say this, but this is what I hear you say. You might be surprised what it is that you say. But if you don't know what you're saying and you don't know what you're speaking, how can you know what lies you've been believing or not? So get some help this week. And then finally, number three, look to Jesus for freedom from Egypt. Look to Jesus for freedom from Egypt. Again, I want to encourage you today. I know because sometimes this can be hard and discouraging stuff difficult stuff. And I want to encourage you that you may be in Egypt today, 
but you don't have to stay in Egypt forever. This is part of your story, and you got to admit it, because if you still live in delusional land, then God can't work on your freedom. He has to work to bring you to reality first. But where you are today doesn't have to be where you stay forever. Because leaving Egypt can be so scary that we try to stay, but we can't stay. And the reason why we can't stay is we have a God who paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. So what I want you to do right now is if, if you have this,